Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Point Church, if you guys got your Bibles, head over to Genesis chapter 2. That's going to be for most of the morning. Um, Genesis chapter 2. And I am really excited um, about what we're doing today. Today we are concluding um, a series that we've been calling The Rebel's Guide to Joy. The Rebel's Guide to Joy. And the whole concept of the series has been um, based largely on the life of Jesus, the happiest person that ever lived. And the concept of the series has been in order to get what no one else is getting, which if you look out at our culture is joy or happiness, in order to get what no one else is getting, you got to do what no one else is doing. And today I want to conclude the series, I believe I'm talking about the one decision that has the biggest chance to change your life, your family's life, and actually for generations to come in your family, the one decision outside of your decision to follow Jesus. And so I'm really excited about today. Now, um, if you're new to this, I'm actually starting today's message um, in a little bit of a different way. And so we're going to begin today by hearing from the incredibly conservative theologians from Saturday Night Live. Culture, history, spaghetti. These are the things of a boot country called Italia. Hello, I'm Joe Romano of Romano Tours. For two generations, my family has provided high-quality tours of Italy to people from all over the world, but mostly Long Island and Jersey. We saw all of Italy in a bus, okay? We ate every day incredible. Yeah, I got to look at the Pope, and he even told me happy birthday. Thanks, Thanks Romano, Romano Tours. Explore the old country with our award-winning 10-day vacation packages. See Venice, the city of wetness. Point and laugh at the Tower of Pisa. And play with some dough in Napoli. People love us, but every so often a customer leaves a review that they weren't, they were disappointed or didn't have as much fun as they thought. So here at Romano Tours, we always remind our customers, if you're sad now, you might still feel sad there, okay? <laughs> you understand that makes sense? Our tours will take you to the most beautiful places on Earth. Hike the cliffs of the Amalfi Coast. Fish with the nets in Sorrento. Do this, I don't know. <laughs> but remember, you're still gonna be you on vacation. If you are sad where you are, and then you get on a plane to Italy, the you in Italy will be the same sad you from before, just in a new place. Does that make sense? There's a lot of vacation can do. Help you unwind, see some different looking squirrels, 
but it cannot fix deeper issues, like how you behave in group settings or your general baseline mood. That's a job for incremental lifestyle changes sustained over time. I want to be very clear about what we can do for you. We can take you on a hike. We cannot turn you into someone who likes hiking. We can take you to the Italian Riviera. We cannot make you feel comfortable in a bathing suit. We can provide the zip line. We cannot give you the ability to say we and mean it. You're not your sister. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink or the person you become when you do, okay? I'm sorry, but it's true. And our friendly tour guides are happy to take your picture. But remember, the pictures you're in are gonna have you in them. And if you don't like how you look back home, it's not gonna get any better on a gondola. Listen, that's funny. Come on, man. That's funny right there. Yes. When you get there, you're still going to be the same sad you. And if we're really honest, if we look out at how people do life, what you're going to notice is that most of the things that people like try to get in order to make them happy, they actually just distract them from the fact that they're sad, if we're really honest. Um, I, what I want, let me do a quick tour to de force of here's how most people try to pursue happiness in this life. There's some people who they think, man, if I can just like get enough money, if, I can, if my net worth can get high enough, then my net happiness will go up. Okay, well, here's what data actually shows. Um, after somebody's combined household income reaches about $70,000, no amount of income increase affects your happiness whatsoever. And there's actually a point at which you start making so much, your happiness quotient decreases unless you practice radical generosity. So, so listen, money can make you wealthy. It cannot make you happy. Um, there's other people who they think like, man, like social media age, Instagram influ influencer, how do I get the, the blue check? There's some people who are like, man, if I just was famous enough, if enough people liked me, if people were applauding and admiring how important my life was, well, then I would be happy, okay? But, but can I just point this out to you? Um, what we're doing, have you ever noticed? So, so what we do, have you ever noticed that when people get famous, what they immediately start doing is walking around in ball caps and sunglasses so nobody will recognize them? You see that? Now, here's why. Let me do some theology really quick. The Bible says the essence of sin is us putting ourselves in the place of God. And so what some people do is they spend their whole lives trying to get worshiped and they call it fame. It does not make you happy whatsoever. Okay, in fact, here's why. You were not designed to be worshiped. You were designed to be a worshiper. It cannot make you happy one bit, one bit. Let me like... Let me get like, uh, let me kind of like what, what they used to call, let me meddle a little bit in, in the words of the church I used to grow up in. Uh, for some people, it's not money, it's not fame, it's like sex or beauty. And so like, man, like growing up doing student ministry, discipling like college guys, it's like kind of this mentality, man, when I just, you know, Christian guys, man, if I just grow up, when I get married and have sex and th then I'll finally be happy and I'll be able to experience this thing, it's going to change my life forever. So it's just my wedding night, my wedding night. Okay. Well, bro, after those 90 seconds of glory, then what? Then what are you going to do? How's that, that going to work out for you? Okay, yeah, some people are applauding. They're like, thank you, thank you. That's right, man. And then for, for some people now, again, these are just general stereotypes, but for some, for some girls, it's like it's not sex, it's beauty. If I can just attain this certain image, 
if I can get this certain type of body, if people can admire how I look a certain way. And so we use all the filters and do all the workouts. And we think, man, if I can just get there, well, then I'll finally be happy. You know what actually happens? Instead of you being happy, you become a slave to the mirror. You begin to freak out if you don't work out. And your functional hell becomes the day where you reach an age where eventually gravity wins. Hey guys, look at your grandma. Gravity wins. Undefeated. Gravity's undefeated. Gravity's going to win. So listen, if it's not that, if it's not money, it's not fame, it's not sex, it's not beauty, well then what is the thing that will actually like lead us to joy and satisfaction? Now, don't answer, don't answer. Because some of you, like Sunday school Christians, you're like, you're like right now you're like, ah, the answer is Jesus. I, I know this, Jesus. And you know, like growing up, it's like in Sunday school, no, it doesn't matter what the question is, you already know, the answer is Jesus, you know. Okay, well, so yeah, so this is what we think the answer is. Jesus, we're like, that's got to be the answer. Okay, here's what's really interesting. Let me, let me say it and explain it. That's actually an incomplete answer. Um, now, if we were talking about salvation, Jesus and Jesus alone is the answer to that question. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You don't contribute anything to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Jesus and Jesus alone, that's it for salvation. But we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about satisfaction. And here's what's really interesting, okay? Jesus or God, if I could just get really intimate with God, well, then I'd, then I'd be happy, okay? Do you know who says that's an incomplete answer? God says that's an incomplete answer. Now, if this doesn't, some of you are like, sacrilege. Let me show it to you from the Bible, okay? So let me, let me I'm going to point out something from Genesis 1 and 2. Before, before I do that, let me set the stage, okay? So you got to remember, in Genesis 1, what God does is he starts creating everything. And he, here's this, there's this little rhythm. God creates and declares, creates, declares, creates, declares. And so God will create something, and then seven times, like in a poetic rhythm in Genesis 1, God will create something, and then he'll say this. He'll say, and God saw that it was good. So create, it was good. Create, it was good. Create, it was good. Okay. Now, he does that in Genesis 1. At the end of Genesis 1, God like steps back zooms out, looks at everything, and then he says this. He says, man, look at everything. And God saw that it was, it was actually very good, very good. Now, now we go to Genesis 2, okay? So at this point in Genesis 2, remember, here's all you have. You only have three things, God, creation, and one person, Adam. Now, later in Genesis 2, God's going to create Eve, and it's going to go from being a good environment to a perfect environment, like perfect they had no clothes. They had no kids and no clothes. That's perfect, okay? No, that's it. So, so that, that's later in Genesis 2. Right now, all we've got is God, creation, and Adam, and that's it. So think about this. If there were ever anyone in history that could have said, man, it's just me and God, and me and God are really close. Adam had no sin, nothing separating him, and the Bible says that God, quote, walked with him in the cool of the day. So like God and Adam were super tight. But then watch what it says. It, God, God says this. It's the first time that God says something is not good. He says it's not good for man to be alone. Okay, now, if that doesn't make sense to you, um, let me do a little theology really quick because there's a theology behind this. Now, just track with me for a second. The reason God said Adam alone was not good, watch this, is because the Bible says that God is what theologians call a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but there's one God. 
In other words, here's like a dumbed down Josh Howerton version to say that. What that means is the Bible teaches is God is one what, but three who's. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, what that means is that for all of eternity, God has existed in community. That in one sense, like it's actually accurate for us to say that God himself is a relationship. Okay, now watch this. Here's how this works. God has always existed in community and you were created in the image of that God that's always existed in community. So watch this. You were created to live in deep, rich community. In fact, let me, let me um, say it the positive thing in a negative way. God has never existed outside of community. And so you cannot exist outside of deep, rich, relational community. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, I, I don't know, man. It sounds, you know, whatever. Now, let me, let me say something and then explain it. Here's what that means. Here's the truth I, I want to press into your hearts. What this means is that the quality of your life, more than anything else, the quality of your life is always going to be determined by the quality of your relationships. So here's how this works. If everything in your life is awesome, but your most important relationships are awful, life's going to feel awful. But then watch this. If everything in your life is actually awful on the outside, but your closest relationships are awesome, you're going to find some awesome even in the midst of the awful. Now, um, some of you guys, maybe you don't believe me, and some of you guys are um, stats people, some of you are story people. Um, This is one of these truths where sociology deeply confirms our biblical theology. So some of you guys are stats people, some of you are story people. Let me do both. So let me give you some stats really quick, okay? Stats. There was a Harvard study a few years ago, and here's what it found. It found, watch this. It found that if you belong to no relationally connected groups— and then you become a part of one, relationally connected to a group in some way, you, de- you cut your risk of dying within the next year in half just by connecting to deep relationships, okay? Now, some of you may go, oh, that's just a coincidence. It obviously, whether you die, that's a medical thing. That has more to do with like diet and health, okay? Well, actually, uh, another study showed this. Uh, it showed that group-connected people with unhealthy habits and like the worst ones, like uh, smoking, poor diet, heavy drinking. So group connected people with unhealthy habits consistently outlive extremely healthy habit people who are not relationally connected to any group. That's really interesting. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, yeah, 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 okay, whatever, man. But, but that's like, that's for health and stuff like that. What about like the parts of my life that like actually matter? Will that actually work in like something that matters in my life? Like, what about my marriage? Like, will that help in my marriage, that concept? Okay, well, here's what sociologists found. Whether, this is a study from a sociologist, whether wives feel satisfied with the sex, romance, and passion in their marriage is 70% dependent upon the quality of the couple's friendship. So it's the depth of relational connection that determines how satisfied she is with sex, romance, and passion in the marriage. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, yeah, but that's women. Like, dudes are different. Dudes are physical. Dudes are visual. Obviously, it's going to be different for dudes. Well, exact same study. Here's what it found. That for men, whether they are satisfied with the sex, romance, and passion in their marriage is 70% dependent upon the quality of their friendship. So it turns out that a good marriage really is friends with benefits. That's what, uh, that's what we find out right there, okay? Now, 
Some of you are like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's health, that's marriage. Some of you guys are like, yeah, man, but that, you're just, this is, honestly, this stuff applies to younger people. As you get older, you're a little more settled, a little more centered, you know, you know as you're older, you, just, you don't need that quite as much. Well, here's what another Harvard study found. It found that the single best predictor of health and happiness at age 80, okay, so watch this. What they asked the question, what's the one thing that will predict somebody's physical health and emotional happiness when they're 80 years old. And here's what they found. It wasn't wealth, so your ability to purchase like good medical care, even though that's really important. It wasn't professional success, self-esteem, you know, feeling good about yourself, wasn't any of those things. The highest predictor of your future happiness at age 80 is your relationships at age 50. The highest predictor. Now here's why. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Now, let me just kind of talk to you as a pastor really quick. So, you know, as a pastor, I have these like weird experiences where I'm always with people at either the highest moments of their life or the worst moments of their life. And a few times in my life as a pastor, I've stood next to the deathbed of somebody that like and watched them slipping into eternity. Do you guys know what no one ever says on their deathbed? Nobody ever lays dying and says, bring me my diplomas. I just want to see them one more time. <laughs> Nobody while they're dying goes, get my awards. Get that trophy I won in high school. I got athlete of the year when I was a junior. Bring me the letter jacket. Like I really want to take it in one more time. Nobody's like, where's my gun collection? Drive the sports car I bought when I was 52. I want to see it. Do you know what everybody says? Bring me the people that I love. I need to see them one more time. In our final moments, we don't want to be surrounded by objects. We want to be surrounded by people. People that we love and people who have loved us. Why? Because the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Now, really quick, I need to do something like, let me put my pastor hat on and I'm going to do this in two, two spots and like just speak really directly. And right now, I want to speak really directly, especially to my generation and down. You know, right now, um, we are simultaneously, because of technology, social media, and the internet, we are simultaneously the most connected generation that's ever existed and the least intimate rela uh, 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 generation that's ever existed. So most connected generation simultaneously is the most lonely generation. I've pointed this out to you before. Here's what every study in America shows right now. Every study in America shows the generation that's alive right now is the angriest, loneliest, most depressed generation that's ever existed. And a lot of people attribute that, like there's a correlation between those negative feelings and experiences and the rise of social media. And so like, I just, can I just like point something out to you? Because of social media, it's possible for you to feel more connected but less intimate than ever before. And here's why. Let me say it and, and let me explain it. Because you'll spend your whole life crafting an image instead of connecting with hearts. Now, um, let, let me, I'm going to give an example of this. This is my vulnerable moment in the sermon. So this is a family picture that my family took last year. And uh, we, you know, it was, it was supposed to be a Christmas. But before I say anything about this, here's what I've noticed. A lot of you guys think, you think like, oh man, Pastor Josh, like I'm sure he's perfect and his fam family, family's just, just perfect, all smiley and all matchy-matchy. And some of y'all think I like levitate out of bed in the morning and, you know, kids get up, like gather around, children, let's study the scriptures together. Okay, dad. You know, Janet comes in singing a hymn, blessed be the, you know, like, ain't it like that? Listen, we are wretched, black-hearted sinners in need of grace just like you. Like that's... That's who we, some of you, are, some of you are cheered a little too loud when I said that. That's, 
And so we're just like you, man. And so here, here's a true story behind like this moment, okay? So true story, we're getting ready to take these pictures and they're Christmas pictures. So Jana like prescribed what I was allowed to wear that day. And, uh, but we had to take them like four months early, like in September, August, September, something like that. So, so it's real hot. And because it's hot, like as soon as we went out, I was already just angry at the day because I had to be there, you know? So I, I start angry at this thing. So we get out there, it's hot, I'm angry. The kids are like complaining all day. We brought M&Ms to bribe our youngest son. It is a miracle of the living God that there is one picture he's looking at the camera. I mean, like legit, I'm not a drinking man. This day almost made me run to specs. Like I was ready. I had it. I was ready to follow the blue line in Apple Maps. Like I'm and so like, we bring all these M&Ms, we're gonna bribe Hudson. Like, well, just pro tip for you parents, that doesn't work. It just creates a sugar crash and makes things worse. So Hudson, is, he's a disaster the whole time. Jana's like on her phone. I like snap in the middle of the day. You know, when I call you, you never pick up. But when I'm with you, you're always on your phone. You know, it's like, you know, it's like that kind of thing. And some of you like, that hit real close to home right there. Jana was supposed to bring water for the kids and she forgot the water. So here's what happens. Like we're out here in this field with this, you know, this uh, photographer that, by the way, that knows she's taking family pictures for a pastor at his church. And so I'm out there and I'm like snapping at the kids. I'm like, Eliana, I will spank your bottom if you do not smile. You know, we're like, we're ready to go. So I'm furious, you know, the kids. Then we take this picture. We get this picture and we get home and we post it online. And the caption is like, great day at the park with the kids. Take it, you know, it's like, <laughs> like literally just lied to thousands of people. It's like a confession moment, you know, that kind of thing. Now, do you know why? Okay. Do you know why you sometimes like we can simultaneously be more connected and feel more lonely? Here's why. Because if you spend your whole life presenting a fake you and you get people to love the fake you, the real you feels more lonely. And that's what a lot of people do in their entire lives with social media. Here's the lie that we believe in our generation. We're confusing proximity, being around people, with intimacy, connecting with people. We're confusing admiration, getting likes, with connection, being loved. And can I be really honest? Getting likes is not the same thing as being loved. Having 5,000 Instagram fans or Facebook friends or whatever, TikTok, whatever it is, 5,000, that's not the same as having a true friend. And many people spend their whole lives getting more views and feeling less known. This is why a lot of people, they walk around, have you ever noticed at the top right part of your phone, there's this little circle button that you press to like, check, did I, did I get more likes? Where's the alert? That button is called the refresh button. And because of that, a lot of people walk around pressing refresh, 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 but you're never refreshed. Because you were designed, the quality of your life is determined by the depth and quality of your relationships. Now, watch this. It's not just the quality of your life that determines the quality of your relationships that determine the quality of your life. This is really important. Listen, it's the direction of your relationships that determine the direction of your life. Okay, now, if you don't believe me, check this out. This is the one thing the Bible says that will affect your and your family's trajectory more than any other decision, okay? Now, watch this in Ephesians 4. I'm gonna show you something. Now, every time in this uh, passage, it says the word one, I wanna highlight something for you. I need you to like out loud, give me a really good out loud one, okay? So we're gonna practice. On the count of three, everybody at every campus out loud, I need a good loud one, okay? One, two, three, 
One. That's right. Actually, you guys beat Saturday night and 930. Good job, 11. That's, that's, that's good. Okay. Here we go. All right. Now notice this. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves united. Now there's no division. Stay really tight. Now here's the question. With who? With who? United in the Spirit. So people who are full of the Spirit. That's who God wants you to be really tight with. Binding yourselves together with peace. So no arguing, no division. We're people of forgiveness, of grace, of reconciliation. Okay? For there is body and spirit, just as you have been called to glorious hope for the future. There is Lord, faith, baptism, God and Father of all. You did really good, guys. That was really, really good. Okay, now, can I point this out to you? I highlighted that. One, 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 one. What this passage is saying, watch this, this, is really important. The gospel gives us the ability to all be one. It did not say that it makes us all the same. Not, not called to all be the same, all called to be one. Okay, now I'll give you an example of this. So like if you toss that picture of my family back up on the screen. So in my family, just look at my family, just visibly, physically look at my family. We're not all the same. We're not all the same. Okay, Felicity is a little darker than Eliana and Hudson. I'm a little lighter than Eliana. Poor Jana's a redhead. She didn't show up in pictures if it's sunny outside, you know. And listen, by the way, you guys know it's dangerous to say something like that. You know the difference between a redhead and a terrorist? You can negotiate with a terrorist. That's it. That's it. Okay. I, I got permission to say that. So, so listen, in our family, we're not all the same, but watch this. We have all been made one. We are one Howerton family, adopted into one family as one. Not all the same. We are all one. Lake Point family, you know what's true about our church? We are not all the same. We have all been adopted into one family, and we are one. One, made one by the blood of Jesus Christ, washing away our sins, reconciling us to God. You know what I love about Lake Point? I love that increasingly we're not all the same, but there is a deep oneness. Man, our church, we got all different kinds of people. We got blue-collar folks, and we got white-collar folks. We got black folks who know how to have church. We got some Hispanic folks who know how to cook. Bless God. Thank you. Bring all your dishes to the lobby. I will receive offerings of thanks. As a man, I, I have I praise God for some Hispanic food, man. So we got them. We got, we're reaching tons of young people. We got, we got a ton of senior saints. And by, by the way, I just want to say this every chance I get. Hey, senior saints, we need you. This church needs you. We are grateful for you. We need you. Man, as we're reaching like lots of young people that are coming to know Christ and, and starting to follow Jesus, you know what they need? They need spiritual parents to help them become followers of Jesus and to mature in their lives and their families. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, man, Josh, I could never do that. I got my own issues. I'm not perfect. Listen, you don't got to be perfect. You just got to be better than us. Praise God. That's all we need. That's not, and we'll say thank you for your Luby's discount too along the way. Man, so thank you. Now, some of you guys, listen, you look at this. You're looking at all these people at Lake Point. You're new and you're like, man, I could never fit in here. I got my own hurts, habits, hangups. I got my own issues, my own dysfunction. Listen, do you know what Lake Point is? We are one big dysfunctional family that has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's who we are. We've been made one. So listen, there is only one thing. There's one color that matters at Lake Point. The color that matters the most is not black, white, brown, dark brown. It's not any of that. There's one color that matters. The red reconciling blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain that makes us children of the living God. 
And so you can bring all that stuff, you're going to fit right in. Now, here's what this means, okay? I'm, we're doing some theology. What this means, we've been adopted into this one family, born again into a new family. So watch this. You were born with a need for relationships, but you were born again with a need for deep Christian relationships. This is really important. Again, again, this is another spot where I'm just going to speak real direct. I'm going to meddle a little bit, okay? So let me just say something really blunt to you, okay? And I'm going to emphasize it. God wants your closest relationships to be with other committed Christians. Now, let me say that another time. I need this to sink in. God wants your closest relationships to be with other committed Christians, okay? I'm going to say it one more time, and if you believe it, I want you to act like it when I finish, okay? Okay, I need you to testify right now. God wants your closest relationships to be with other committed Christians. That's it. That's it. Okay? Now, here's why. Here's why some of these people are clapping, because they've experienced the pain of that not being true. Okay, this is what's going on here. Now, I emphasize the word committed, so here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not, not talking about the guy who never attends church, he never serves, he never gives, never reads his Bible. His life is like totally has nothing to do with the image of Jesus, pressuring every girlfriend he's got to sleep with. I'm not, and, but, and that guy's like at church every once, once every three or four months. And it's the guy that's like, he, but then he gets to the census and he's like, well, I'm not a Muslim and I'm not an atheist. So like, I guess I'm a Christian. That's not who I'm talking about. God wants your closest relationships to be with other committed Christians. Let me show you what, now here's the spot maybe a little sensitive. My job is to teach you what's in the Bible, and I'm assuming that's why you showed up. Okay, so here's like, here's one thing. Here's how God says it, to, especially I'm talking right now to people who are younger or you're single. Here's how that God applies this principle to people who are not married yet. He says this about the decision that you make with who you marry in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, don't be yoked together. A yoke is something that binds things together. Anything, he's like, man, don't let anything like deeply bind you. That could be relationally, emotionally, legally, corporately. Don't let anything like bind you really tight with unbelievers because what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what can fellowship, what fellowship can light have with darkness? In other words, what God's saying is like, hey, don't, if you do that, if you get entangled in a deep relationship with somebody who's not a believer, you're never going to be able to experience long-term intimacy because at the deepest level, at the most fundamental level of who you are, you and them are not on the same page. At the deepest level, they, you are a child of God and they are an enemy of God. So long-term, like you can't share the thing that's deepest to you, okay? Now, what this means is like the Bible's just saying in a straightforward way, don't date anyone that's not a Christian, don't date anybody that's not a committed Christian. And I know you're like, man, you're like, Josh, but I'm, you know, I'm working on him and he's going to become a Christian. I'm evangelating. Okay. Well, listen, let me be honest. Okay. I got my pastor hat on. Sometimes that does happen in very rare cases. We have seen this in our church where God will use the prayers of a faithful long-term spouse over many years and the other spouse comes to Christ. Sometimes it does happen. Here's what happens way more often. He pulls you down into darkness instead of you pulling him up into light. And I know you hear that and you're like, yeah, Josh, but like, I don't want to be lonely. I, you know, I just don't want to be lonely. You know what's harder than being lonely and single for a little longer? Being lonely and married forever. 
Because then you spend the rest of your life and the thing that's most important to you, you don't share with that person that's like your person. I'll apply this to business leaders too. And I'm, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying don't work with anybody that's not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about when you make decisions about like, I'm going to start a business or I'm going to go into this endeavor, be careful about yoking yourself together legally or corporately with somebody that's not a believer. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to get into June and they're going to be like, I want to fly this flag on all of our windows of all of our shops. Or like, man, it's going to be like, uh, man, I want to do this other thing that's like sh a little shady and unethical, but it really helps the bottom line. Okay. And you're going to have to be like, nope. It's awkward. It's awkward. God wants your closest relationships to be with other committed Christians. Here's why. Watch how this works. God tells us exactly why this is so important to him. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. He says this, Because whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, keep it up there, keep it up there. In other words, another way to say this is, you will walk like whoever you walk with. That's how you're designed. So again, let me say some things in a really straightforward way because I love you and I'm your pastor. Here's another way to say Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the successful is gonna tend to become a successful person. That's like how life works. But it also can work negatively. Whoever walks with the financially irresponsible tends to become financially irresponsible. Okay, again, let me say something that's a little sensitive. It's just true. Here's another way to say it. Whoever walks with bitter, angry wives tends to become a bitter, angry wife. On the other hand, whoever walks with encouraging, thriving wives tends to turn into an encouraging, thriving wife. Uh, let, let me do another one, okay? Whoever walks with passive, spiritually apathetic men tends to become a passive, spiritually apathetic man. But then also watch this. Whoever walks with loving, godly fathers can become a loving, godly father. That can happen for you. That's right. That can happen for you. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. You walk like who you walk with. Here's another way to say it. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Your friends are your future you. Now, as soon as I say that, some of you are like, whoa, 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 Josh. Theolog you know, I got a verse. <laughs> I, objection, I got a verse. The Bible says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. So are you saying that I got to like get rid of all my non-Christian friends and like clean, you know, do a life class? No, no, no. Watch this, okay? Now, here's, when you look at the life of Jesus, this is really interesting. Jesus patterned and structured his relationships in a very clear pattern, okay? If you're going to write anything down, I say in this entire sermon, right now get a pen and draw the diagram I'm getting ready to show you. Talk about it with your spouse. If you're a Lake Point student, get in a group with other students. Talk about it with those other students. Talk about it in your life group. Pray over it personally. This is like you need to take this away with you, okay? Here's how Jesus structured his relationships in three concentric circles. On the outer circle, the Bible says that, quote, large crowds tended to follow Jesus. By the end of Jesus' life, there was about 120 people that were these big crowds, and they followed Jesus wherever he went. And watch this. These were the people that Jesus cared for. It was his circle of care. He healed those people. He fed those people when they had a need. He tried to meet it, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. But they were kind of out here. Now, this is where in Jesus' life, 
unbelieving people were that Jesus was trying to bring into the kingdom of God. They were in this outer circle of care, about 120 people. Anecdotally, you're probably going to have between 100 and 120 people in your life where it's like, I know their name. I know if they have a life issue, you know, something comes up, I'm on the meal train, they're in your circle of care. But then within those 120, Jesus had a much smaller group of 12 people that we call disciples who came to be known as the apostles that were in Jesus' circle of influence. All these guys were following God and wanted to have their lives conformed in the image of Christ. Twelve. These are the people where Jesus influenced them, knew their names, was really, you know, connected to their life. And sometimes they influenced and helped Jesus. They were this circle of influence. But, by the way, anecdotally, you'll have 12 to 15 people in your life that you'll go, man, these are friend friends. I know them, and we kind of influence each other. All those people should be Christians, okay? Now, let, let me get to this tight part. Among Jesus' 12 disciples, there were three and only three that were Jesus' inner circle of intimacy. Peter, James, and John went with Jesus wherever he went, even when the rest of the disciples got left behind. When Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he wept and prayed and sweat blood, there were only three people Jesus took with him, Peter, James, and John. And Jesus was going, I want you to see all my heart. I want you to see everything about me. Come on in. Like, here's all my life. Nothing's hidden from these three. In your life you're going to have three to five people that you let in to what's actually happening at the deep, emotional, vulnerable, and spiritual level in your life. And watch this. What the book of Proverbs is saying, okay, three of those people, what the book of Proverbs is saying is that everyone, you have something in your life that you want to become. You want to be a better parent. You want to be a better leader, a better student. I pray everybody wants to be a better Christ follower, more you know, committed and consecrated to Jesus. Watch this. The book of Proverbs is saying the decision to become those things is primarily about who you put in that inner circle of intimacy. That decision, more than any other decision, will affect the trajectory of your life and family. So can I, let's run an experiment real quick. Let me, let me land the plane like this. Let's run an experiment, okay? Three to five people. You in your mind right now, get those three to five people in your head. Like, oh, okay, who are those three to five that know me better than anybody right now? And actually get some names in your head, okay? Three to five, okay? You got to get them or else this little experiment doesn't work, okay? Three to five. Sociologists say that people are always becoming an average of their five closest friends. It's always happening to you. Here's what this means. If you got high this weekend, first of all, welcome to Lake Point. We're glad you're here. If you got high this weekend, chances are really, really good that at least one other person in that circle got high with you. If you were drunk this weekend, chances are really, really good that at least one other person inside that circle got drunk with you. If you're finding yourself sort of spiritually wandering and just like kind of, you know, fading, distant from God, chances are really good at least one other person in that circle is wandering from the Lord, sort of spiritually distant from God. But watch this, it also works positively. If you're in a season of life where you are chasing after God with your whole heart, you're learning to lean into his grace and you're repenting and walking away from those sins that have enslaved and hurt you. You're consecrating yourself to him in a new way, worshiping him with like joy and freedom. 
guess what? Chances are really, really good. At least one other person in that circle is doing the exact same thing. So watch this. Change your community, change your life. Okay, now I want you to see how this has actually worked in the life of somebody at Lake Point named Aubrey Love. You know, emotionally, I've built up a wall my entire life. The way I grew up abused and neglected, there were no feelings. You don't cry, you don't show emotion, you don't do nothing. I knew without an uncertain doubt, God was not real. There was no love at all. It was my way or the highway. I mean, I didn't care about my wife's feelings. I really didn't care about my kids' feelings. And I really didn't care about anybody. One day I'm sitting at my office cubicle and my boss just walks into my, my office and he kind of leans up against my desk and he goes, hey, why don't you and your family come out to, to Lake Point with us on Sunday? Well, you signed my paycheck, so yes, Mr. Brent, I'll, I'll be there. We end up coming and I went to Josh right after the sermon. And I don't normally go to the pastors unless I want to challenge them. But I went over to him and says, Josh, I'm coming back and I'm an atheist. And he gave me a hug and he looked me dead in the eye and he goes, welcome home. Are you in a life group class? Yeah, kind of. He goes, well, who are you in? I said, Ty, good group. Stay there for six weeks, I challenge you. I'm not one to back down from a challenge. So I went to Ty Daughtry's class the next week and I said, hey, Mr. Ty, uh, Josh, he, he challenged me for your six week challenge to be in your, in your class. I said, okay, cool, we're glad to have you. I said, I'm an atheist. Welcome home. And I was sitting there going, how is it both people say the same thing? During that time, I'd realized reading the Bible and saying, you know, singing praises and hymns, it's more than that. I'd realized that it's who you surround yourself with and how you help each other and how each other helps you. Ty Daughtry's life group class, they've kind of adopted me into their mini family. And um, from there, it, literally eight weeks later after that challenge was accepted, I was like, you know what? I'm in. I believe there, there is a God. You are real. And I just said, okay, God, I'm yours. And I'm there. I go find Josh. I just remember bawling. It was just uncontrollable. I probably looked like the worst basket case he's ever seen. But I just couldn't stop it. For me being baptized, you know, Ty Daughtry just sitting there gave a small little introduction about me and the way he looked at me in that baptism. You could see nothing but pure joy. My wife was trying to record it, but she couldn't because she was crying and the joy that I saw from her, I realized it's not about me. It's about the family of Christ. There is hope for not just myself, but for future generations from me to come, for hope for my kids, hope for my marriage. But the most important thing, I would not have the love of the family that I've got now. And that is the most amazing feeling I could ever have from the church.
Amen. 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 And here's where some of you are at right now. Um, some of you, you realize, like, man, my life needs to change. And you think that you're like one scheduled decision away from your life changing, or you think you're one purchase away from your life changing. You might think you're like one podcast away from I just need to learn something. You might think, I'm, man, I'm one career decision away from my life changing. Here's reality. You are one community away from your life changing forever. And today, we get a chance to give you a chance to make that decision that could change your life, your family's life for generations to come. So here's what's happened at Lakepoint Family. This service is gonna end a little differently, okay? Today, we are in one day launching 40 new life groups at Lake Point Church, and we are really excited about it. 40 new groups starting today. That's right, come on, man. Spiritual families that we can be a part of, belong to. And so here's what I'm asking, man. So two things. One, if you are like kind of connected to a life group, but it's like COVID and ah, and kind of life got in the way and you know, it's kind of haven't been around. Hey, listen, can I just, let, let me just pastor you a little bit. It's time to come on back. Time to come on back to the fam. Time to come on back, okay? Or if you're one of the thousands of people who are like newer to Lake Point and you, maybe you don't have a life group or you need to find a new one, today's your day. So if you do this, um, could you guys do this? Would you grab your phones real quick? Just do that. Everybody grab your phone, grab it. Even if you're not gonna do anything with it, just grab it, make me feel better about myself while I'm, that'd be awesome, just grab it. Um, what I want you to do is I'm asking you as your pastor, I'm asking you to test drive a group for the next six weeks. That's all I'm asking. And because we're launching all these new groups, watch this, you're not gonna be the only new person in the group because that's weird. What you, you're gonna be new with everybody else. We got groups on all different days of the week, different times of day. We got men's groups, women's groups, marriage groups, singles groups, you name it, we got groups. And I'm asking you to test drive a group for the next six weeks. So if you could do this, if you could right now, do not leave your seat before you text the word group to the number 20411. Like for real, like right now, text group to 20411. And we're gonna send you a link immediately. You can click that link, choose your campus, and then you can go, oh, I wanna go on this day. I want this type of group. Let me do this deal. And again, I'm not asking you to do it till Jesus returns. You may get in there and be like, bro, these people are weird. And we do got some weird people here. Some of y'all are weird, uh, but we got a lot of awesome people. And so I'm asking you just to test drive a group for the next six weeks and to sign up to do that before you leave your seat, okay? In my entire time as a pastor, I've never had somebody regret test driving a group for six weeks. Please do that. Now, I also wanna say this, Lake Point is because of the generosity of the people of Lake Point it's because of you that we are able to do things like launch 40 new groups in one week and make space for, that's right, spiritual families for hundreds and hundreds of people are getting connected to a spiritual family because of your generosity. So thank you. And so man, on your way out, service is like essentially over right now. So just stay with me for 10 seconds. On your way out, you can drop your giving in one of the, uh, the uh, boxes next to the doors on your way out, or you can text the word give to the number 20411 to do online giving, okay? That'd be awesome. Now, service is over, but do not leave your seat before you sign up to test drive a group for the next six weeks. You're starting next week with Party at the Point Super Bowl party. I love you guys and you are dismissed. Peace, 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 peace. Thanks for listening today. 
For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.